Good morning. Happy Father's Day, dads. We, um, we'll just jump right in. Last week, we, we began reading from our Old Testament uh, from the book of Samuel. And we looked at the beginning of the kingdom of Israel. And so it's important um, maybe just to, to get a little bit of a grasp on what's going on because we're going to be reading these Old Testament readings all summer. Um, we're starting Samuel and, and we're going mostly straight through it. We'll skip a few here and there. But, but, but it helps, you know, if you're going to read these and listen to them being read, um, it helps to pay attention if you know what's going on. And so I'll give you a little bit about what is going on. What we saw today in 1 Samuel chapter 16, and maybe you want to open it up, we'll be in this passage this morning, 1 Samuel chapter 16, was God anointing his king David. Now if you remember back to last week, Israel, the nation of Israel, this Old Testament people of God, they said, we want a king. They didn't have a king, and they had, they had judges to govern, to govern them, but they didn't have a king because God was their king, and, and they'd had enough of that and said, we want a king to be like all the other nations, to lead us into battle, to fight for us. We want a king. And so, um, you know, God and, and his prophet Samuel, they were disappointed, and, and God said, you know, Samuel, my people are rejecting me. They're rejecting me as their king but we'll give them what they want. We'll give them a king. And now here's, here's the role of the king. Israel's king, if they were to ever have one, it was prescribed in their laws that their king was supposed to be a spiritual leader. A spiritual leader. And so if they were to have a king, this king was supposed to be godly. He was supposed to be seeking the Lord. And he was supposed to be leading his nation that way. But Israel didn't want a spiritual leader. They said, give us a king so that we can be like all the other nations. They wanted a political king, a military king. They wanted to be just like everybody else, frankly. And so God gave them a king. And now we skipped a few chapters. um, And the first king God gave them was a man named Saul. And Saul was like, I mean, this dude was a man, okay? He was a man's man. And it says in um, Samuel chapter 9, verse 2, it says, There was not a man among the people of Israel more handsome than he. From his shoulders upward, he was taller than any of the people. Now that, um, you know, that description, we think about that. Even today, we're like, yeah, that's a, that's a dude. That's a manly guy. And, and, and what a great king he should be. But he was not. He, he was not. He, he, um, he looked the part, but even from the very first day, you could tell this wasn't going to turn out very well for Israel. And so, so Saul, they, they're going to have this coronation ceremony. And they're like, okay, let's coronate the king. And they look around, and there's no Saul. He's hiding. He's hiding. He didn't want to be king. He was reluctant to be king. And so they went and found him, and they, and they made him king. And it was all downhill from there. He was a tyrannical ruler. The, the, the first thing he did after he made king was to go into battle and basically enslave his people and send them into battle. And they, sure, they won the battle, but, but a lot of Israelites got killed. They were disappointed. They were saddened. And so they came to Samuel, the, this nation that just two chapters earlier, friends, two chapters earlier, they said, give us a king. And they came to Samuel and they said, who are these people that asked for this king? We should put them to death. Two chapters, they, they, had, they had turned on Saul, and Saul had turned on them. 
Saul's problem really was that he couldn't and he wouldn't obey God. And, and, and we can, well, you can read about it on your own. It's that chapters you know, 8 through, through 16 are all about Saul. And, and he refused to obey the Lord. And so God sent him into battle. And he said, don't take any prisoners. Don't take any spoils. And, and Saul came back with prisoners and spoils. And, and he continued to over and over disobey the Lord. And so, so how, how can he be a spiritual leader to the people of Israel if he won't even obey, even obey the word of God? This isn't, you know, this isn't rocket science. It's not like he's not having to read his Bible and discern what God wants to say to him. That's part of it. But honestly, he has a prophet that has direct knowledge and words of God and is telling Saul what to do in his ear, and he's not listening. And so God rejected Saul. It says, um, I think in our passage this morning, it said... Samuel did not see Saul again until the day of his death, um, but Samuel grieved over Saul, and the Lord regretted, the Lord regretted that he had made Saul king over Israel. The Lord regretted that. And so we come to today's passage, and it's time for God to anoint a new king. Saul will still be king for another 15 or 20 years or so, but God's getting his successor ready. And so God says to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite. So he will send him to Bethlehem. Um, we know somebody else who was born in Bethlehem. For I have provided for myself a king among his sons. So here's the, the amazing thing about what's going on here. We, ha- we have this tyrannical king who's in power that's, that's been rejected by God. And already God is redeeming that. Already God is stepping in to this nation, this lost nation following a, a, a terrible king. And God is stepping into that and saying, I will redeem this. I'm going to appoint my next king, a king I have chosen for myself. And he sends Samuel to a man named Jesse in Bethlehem. Samuel's a little worried about this, and he said, God, if Saul knows I'm going to anoint the next king, don't you think he might try to kill me or something? And, and God says, well, you know, go and, 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 and make a sacrifice to the Lord and invite Jesse and his sons to the sacrifice. And so Samuel does that, and he's looking, you know, he's got, he's got his eyes out, and he's looking for the next king of Israel. And, and Jesse's oldest son comes up, and, and again, he's a manly man, just sort of handsome, amazing um, physique. And, and, Je- and um, Samuel says, oh, that's him. That's the next king of Israel. And the Lord says to Samuel, nope, that's not the one I've chosen. And so then this becomes a parade at this point. The second son comes through, and Samuel says, is this the one? And the Lord says, no. And then he says it again, is this the one? No. And and we do this seven times. Is this the one? And the Lord says, no. This is not the one I've chosen. Why? Why would he not choose these? Well, choose these. Let's look at verse, verse 7. The Lord said to Samuel, and kids, listen up. Are there any kids in here? Good. Y'all were in kids' camp? Listen to this. You know this verse. Verse 7, you can see it up on the screen. The Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. And then the next verse, the next part of that verse says, The Lord sees as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. 
And so kids, raise your hand if you're in kids' camp. Okay, got a few, okay. So let's see if you all can remember this. It's the very first day, let's see if I can remember it. No matter who you are, oh, that was not very loud. Let's try again. No matter who you are, trust God. No matter who you are, trust God. Very good. And so, so basically what that's saying is, is, is God's looking on your hearts. And he was looking on the heart of this man who would be the next king. And he didn't want this amazing sort of physical man of a man. He didn't want that. He had that. He wanted a man after his own heart. They called David a man after God's own heart. And so God looked on his heart. And Samuel asked Jesse, who's like, are these, you know, God says one of your sons is going to be the next king. Are these, are these all of your sons? And Jesse says, well, no. Um, my, my youngest son, David, he's out in the field tending the shepherd, tending the sheep. But he's my youngest son. I mean, you don't want him. And, 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 and uh, Samuel says, well, bring him in. And David walks in and Samuel says, that's the one. That's the one that the Lord is after. That's the man after God's own heart. And so we have down in verse 12. And the Lord said to Samuel, arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. This man, after God's own heart, anointed king of Israel, and the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him. And it's interesting, if you read verse 14, we don't have it up. Um, The next verse is, now the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. The Spirit of the Lord left Saul rushed into David, here's this boy, maybe 16, 17, a shepherd boy, the next king of Israel. And so we, we want to ask ourselves, what, you know, what, this is a great story, but what, is, what does it have to do? What, you know, what, how's this going to help us? What's it going to, you know, how, where does this, where do we enter into this? What does this mean for us as, as Christians? And so what we want to look at is, we want to, remember we talked about God is redeeming Israel through this new king. He's already starting this process of redemption, of rescuing these people. And so what, what, how is he doing it? Well, it's really interesting the way God rescues his people. It's not the way we would expect. It's not through an amazing, powerful military leader. It's not through um, status. It's not through, through war. It's through the lowly and the humble and the meek. Through a shepherd boy, the youngest of the family, destined to a life of, of staying with the sheep. And so we see that God is a God of redemption. And he's promised, he's promised this from the very beginning. Okay? The very beginning. We're, we're in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, and they, they sin, they disobey the Lord. And, and even there, God says, he says, I will redeem you. And he starts to redeem them. He, he calls a man, Abraham, and he turns this one man into a great nation of people. And he gives them a king, and the king falls down, and he gives them another king, and they rise to great glory. And then they fall again. And then God sent his son, Jesus Christ. Now, now, now here's the deal. 
if, if, you, if, if I told you, if you didn't know any of this, I said, hey, God's coming, what would you expect? You'd probably expect, uh, you know, glory and power and terror. That's certainly what, what other religions think, is, is God coming down in, in, in terror and this great glory. And, and God didn't do that. He came down as a baby. You talk about humble and lowly weak. He came down as a, as a little baby. You've seen babies. They, they can't do anything. They're sweet and we love them, but, but they are totally dependent on you and me to survive. And, and that's a scary thought. And so God came down as a baby. You talk about redemption through the lowly and the weak. This, it's amazing. And, and even then, this child maybe would expect, well, surely he would grow up into a great leader, a great powerful figure. You know how many people were with him when he died? Four, maybe. They were all women. His followers were deserted. And so God, it's amazing to see what he does. He, he raises up the weak for his services and his purposes, and he does it with David. And if you, if you see David, the very next thing David does is he goes and finds Saul's armies, and he defeats Goliath. You know that great story of this big giant of a man, and little David coming with his slingshot and slinging him right between the eyes, and he fell. And so God takes this weak little shepherd boy to defeat this big, strong, and powerful man. And he's saying, that is how I redeem my people. It's through weakness and humility. That's how my glory is revealed. And so the question, the question that we need to ask this morning is, is where... What is it, where do we fit into this? What does this have to do with it? If God is, is redeeming his people through weakness and humility, how, how do we enter into that? And so here's what we need to remember is God, through the power of his Holy Spirit, wants to use each one of you in this room, every single person in this room, okay, don't tune me out because you think this isn't for you, every single person here who has faith in Jesus Christ, God wants to use you for the purposes of redemption. That is a high calling. And you're not up to it. And I'm not up to it. But the Holy Spirit is up to it. And so, so God wants to use you for redemption. And he uses the lowly and the weak to redeem. And so what, what are we going to take from this? Well, there's, there's three things. The first one is humility of the heart. We've got to have humble hearts. Okay? I personally think it's a terrifying thing to know that God is not seeking my outward appearance, but he's seeking my heart. That terrifies me. Because I can build an appearance. I can build a shell. I can build something, you know, that I think everybody's going to like. I can do that. I can play that game. But God's not playing that game. He's looking at your heart. That should terrify you. Think about it like this. I mean, there may be, some of you might take this as a feel-good passage. That, and, and it is to an extent, but, but that, oh, well, it doesn't matter if I'm not big enough or tall enough or strong enough. God loves me for how he created me. God loves me for who I am. And that's true. That's fine. I affirm that. But let's take it a step forward. God knows the deepest and darkest secrets of your heart. And he knows where you've fallen short of him, day in and day out. So think of it, think of it like this. Um, Let's say 
there was a, um, a man that nobody else could see, but a man that would just follow you around every day. Okay, now that's a little creepy, but just, just go with me. There's a guy who would follow you around every day, and here's, here was his job. He would know your, your expectations. He would know the standards that you expect of other people to behave towards you, okay? We're not talking about God's standards now. We're talking about your own thoughts, your own standards, okay? How do you expect people to act towards you? Well, you want, you know, honest. You want honesty. You want them to be kind. You want them to be, you know, gentle with you. That, you know, we expect these things in our culture. And so, so there's a man, and he's cataloging all these expectations they have. And he's also cataloging every single thing you do. And then on the last day, you're going to come before him and say, um, he's going to ask you, did you live a life that was up to your own expectations, to your own standards? Not even God's standards, your own standards. And I guarantee you, all of us would be unable to say that we did that. All of us have fallen short even of the, the simplest expectations that we have of other people. And so if we can't even meet that, if we can't even come to those standards, what's going to happen when we stand before God's standards and God's throne? We're not even close. And so if God's looking at our hearts, you better have a humble heart. You just, you've got to know what he sees in there because he sees everything that you see and more. And so we're called then to a humble heart. Um, thankfully, we're also called to faithfulness. And, and so we see some amazing faithfulness in our story this morning. Samuel is faithful. He doesn't know what God's going to do. He says, well, I hope I don't get killed, but I'm going to go anoint the next king, whoever that may be. Um, and Samuel's faithful. He knows that God's going to do that. David is faithful. David was faithful when Saul was not. David listened to God. David obeyed God. Sure, he messed up a few times, but he was a man after God's own heart. So when he messed up, he also confessed. He repented. David is faithful. But we've we got to take a, a long-term lens here and look down the road. David was faithful, but he foreshadows the ultimate faith, the faith of Jesus Christ. So this God becomes man in the form of a baby and grows up and walks on the earth and preaches and teaches about the kingdom of God. We saw it today, the parable of the mustard seed. And God says, okay, Jesus, my plan for you is to die on a cross. I guarantee you he's not getting excited about that. My plan for you, Jesus, is to die on a cross. And, and Jesus says, okay, I'm not real sure about this. And let's remember the garden. He says, God, if this is not your will, please take it from me. Um, but not my will be done, but yours. And so how that works out with being him man and God, I, I don't know the answer to that question, but I do know that Jesus Christ was faithful to death, faithful to death on the cross. And he did that because of those secrets and the darkness in our own heart that you know all too well, that Jesus knew, and he took it to the cross with him and said, I forgive you. I forgive you for all of that. And we're called then to be faithful Jesus was faithful, and he calls us into his faithfulness. And he says, believe in me, trust in me, have faith in me. And God forgives that. And, and so finally, we, we're called to have humble hearts, we're called to have faithful hearts, and, and here's the last one, we're called to have foolish, foolish hearts. Humble, faithful, and foolish. And here's what I mean. Paul says in, in 
1 Corinthians, he says that the gospel, so this message that I just shared with you, that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins and God raised him from the dead, that message is foolishness, foolishness to this world. They don't want to hear it. They don't want to know it. They think, you, your God died on a cross? You believe that, that, that he was raised from the dead? That is foolishness. And God is saying, be foolish. Be foolish in this world. Go out there and proclaim the crucified God. Because, frankly, it's, you're, you're going to do that and you're going you're to proclaim Jesus. And the world's going to maybe think you're a little crazy. But that's what you're called to. You're called to a foolishness like that because in the eyes of God, in the eyes of God who is searching your heart, that foolishness is joy and faithfulness and obedience. And what is foolishness to the world, the world will one day find out that is actual truth. And so the world's out there striving and searching and, and trying to get, get, get all that they can and, and build these great palaces for itself. Okay, if, you, if you're walking in the way of this world and this culture, you're going to build a great palace for yourself. And, and you can't take it with you. It's meaningless. It has no meaning, nothing. That's foolishness, friends. The ways of God are wisdom. And so they're going to see you and they're going to know you're different. And they're going to think you're a little crazy, but they're also going to see a peace and a joy, and a love that they cannot explain. So be foolish for God. David, the same King David, when um, the Ark of the Covenant was, was finally brought in um, to Jerusalem, and so this is the, the holiness of God, the symbolic holiness of God. When it was brought into Jerusalem, there's this great celebration, and David danced in the streets naked. He was so excited to see his God. Foolishness for God. You don't have to get naked. <laughs> but be a fool for the Lord. That's what I would say. So, I want to close and, and I want to target, um, target y'all, but, but I really want to target the men today. When, um, when somebody's ordained in the church, the, the preacher usually gives them a charge. And today's Father's Day, and so men, I'm going to give y'all a charge. And so I want if, if you feel so led, maybe, why don't you just stand up? Men, y'all can stand up. You don't have to. You don't have to. But if you want to, stand up. I don't know. I don't read the newspaper a whole lot. But I read it some. And so I imagine there's plenty of, you know, Father's Day columns out there, okay? And they're going to call y'all to be better men, to work harder, okay, to stop being so foolish or so dumb. You, you see the television shows, and all the men on TV are fools, and, and a bad kind of fool, okay? And so this world is going to call you to stop doing that, to, to be, I don't know, they, they, they define you, and, and they want you to be like that, and they want you to maybe submit and to be um, Weak and unsure of who you are and unsure of your identity in Christ. And, and they want you, they, basically they want you to stop being men and be, um, I don't know how to say it, just to, to be submissive and weak and followers, okay? So that's what the world's going to say to you. And so I'm going to charge you this morning to reject that. Reject it, okay? 
And so here's the call on you. First of all, search your hearts. Search your hearts. Find, find those places in your hearts. You know what they are. You, you know how bad you are before the Lord. I would say part of our whole problem is the fact that we actually know in our heart of hearts that we cannot be the men that we are called to be. And so search that in your hearts and find it and confess it before the Lord. Invite His faithfulness. Invite Him to, to come and make you a faithful man, a man who follows God, who seeks the Lord. Okay? And finally, be, be a fool for Jesus. Be a fool for Jesus. And so um, find somebody. Be accountable to somebody. Find somebody who can walk with you as you search the Lord. Find somebody who can help you navigate this world. And when you go out there, don't get stuck, don't get sought, or don't get, don't get dragged into the temptations of this world, and you know what they are. Don't get sucked into the desires of this world to, to be the great tall king that everybody loves and adores. Go out and be a servant to God. Be a servant to your wife. Be a servant to your children. Be the men that God has called you to be, and it's a man of humility and gentleness, but also a man of great, strong faith. And lead your family, and lead this church as we seek to serve the Lord. I'm going to pray for these men today. Lord, I thank you for the men of St. Paul's. I thank you for this whole congregation, but especially today on Father's Day, for these men. I pray that your Holy Spirit would anoint them, that you would help them to search their own hearts, to know their weakness, to know where they've fallen short of you. I pray that you would give them a faithfulness in your Son, Jesus Christ. And I pray, Lord, that they would, they would leave here um, fools for you in service to their family, in service to you, and that they would, they would stand up, they would step up and proclaim your gospel. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.